Okay, welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy Church. <laughs> we are finally back on the internet. I think you can watch us at prophecyclub.com. And I think you can also watch us, this is talking about live on, on YouTube this morning, on the Spirit of Prophecy Church channel. And then, of course, this will also be posted up on Facebook and all of the other platforms. So hopefully we're back. And uh, I still continue to send complaint letters to YouTube telling them just how we were wronged by being taken off. But that's another topic for another day. Right now, Lord, we ask for your anointing on both of your servants this morning that they would speak what you want spoken and also that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts so we can see, hear, and remember the message that you put on the heart to bring forth. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good morning, everyone. And just wanted to say that this message was something I actually came, it just came to me three months or so ago. Had it all typed out, had it all written, you know, just kind of written. And then Leslie was like, oh, you're just going to do one with Michelle, you and Michelle. And I was like, okay. It was just kind of there. But the funnier part is, is how mine leads right into Michelle's. And we didn't even, we did not plan it like that. And you'll see that. So my topic is, is the choice is yours. And I go into your own choice, that you have a choice. And we do a little bit about free will. And we talk a little bit about morality. This is kind of very important to me. And a lot of time when we go through Hosea 4, 6, you only hit that first part of my people are destroyed due to lack of knowledge. But because thou hast rejected knowledge, that's a free choice to reject knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. And that's actually very important because it's also a free choice to forget God. He gives that opportunity out to us. So, what is free will? And I'm going to go into a, if you notice down there, I actually went to Wikipedia and said, hey, what's the definition? Free will is the capacity of agents to choose between different possible courses of action unimpeded. It's also closely linked to concepts of moral responsibility, praise, culpability, sin, and other judgments which apply only to actions that are freely chosen. So I'm skipping a little bit right over to morality because it is close to the morality. And a lot of everyone that follows God should actually have a sense of morality. It's a differentiation differentiate <laughs> it's that word of intentions decisions and actions between those that are distinguished as proper right and those that are improper wrong so for atheists it's a very touchy subject because they 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 go one of two ways they'll sit there and say that either god's a moral monster for being genocidal or they'll come back and they say hey, why isn't God actually, you know, falling, you know, killing the evil people? 
but they don't see that God does do that. God does judge them for their sins. Atheists like to ask the questions surrounding morality. Without identifying that, God is the one who provided those morals to follow. <laughs> so, I'm only going to paraphrase Genesis, 1, uh, Genesis 3, 1 through 17, because uh, it's a little bit too long to read. But Adam was given the fruit, but he had a free choice to eat that fruit. He freely chose. He, you know, he, it was like, yeah, I'm just going to eat it. It was a yes and no that he could do it. Why was he afraid? He freely chose from God. God was right there in front of him, and he freely chose to hide from God. And this is one of my favorites, and women will love this one too. He freely chose to blame someone else for something he did. He freely chose to say it was the woman's fault. <laughs> So this is, um, this is a video uh, from Frank Turek, uh, crossexamine.org, and he goes over, um, a he gives a really good explanation of free will. Because we do not know that the original cause was God. There is no reason to say that an intelligent designer was the first cause, the uncaused first cause, the cause of everything else. I do not have the training or expertise to refute search science, and in fact, I accept your conclusion that the Big Bang had a beginning and space time matter came into existence from a point of origin. But we do not know that this point of origin is God. Calling it God is to make a false assumption. Another reason for the existence of everything might simply be that other dimensions have the power for the, and the marvelousness and complexity to create a situation where other dimensions there. the Big Bang could be brought into existence and space time and matter begin to exist well, Carter, what you just described there is what we would call God. God is in another dimension that has the ability to bring these dimensions into existence. So if you want to call it another dimension, you can call it that. But that's exactly what we mean by God. But then why is there a theology? Why do we worship God? He could easily be called another Excellent point. You don't have to worship God. In fact, Aristotle never worshipped God. In fact, the Greeks never got their theology and philosophy together. They knew that there had to be an unmoved mover, but they never put the two together and worshiped the unmoved mover. So you don't have to worship the unmoved mover. You don't have to. You can do whatever you want. That's why you have free will. God loves you enough to give you free will. You can love him or reject him. That's up to you. <laughs> but on that point, you do have the free will to accept or reject God, but the obvious conclusion is that the rejection of God will lead to eternal damnation and death. So in reality, you do not really have the choice to accept or not to accept God, we must ultimately accept God, assuming we choose to avoid perdition. Well, if you want to avoid, well, let me back up for a second. There's only two possibilities if God exists. In eternity, you're going to be with him or you're not going to be with him, right? That's logically the only two options. If you want to be with him, you will seek him out and be with him. If you don't want to be with him, God will not force you into his presence against your will. In fact, let me make the objection stronger than what you're making it. You're very polite, but I debated an atheist 
who was a little bit more direct. And, and let me uh, tell you, this man was a, he's a good man. I like him. His name is Eddie Tabash. He's an attorney from Beverly Hills. We debated at University of Michigan a number of months ago. And he looked at me during the Q&A and he said, Frank, my mother was a survivor of the Holocaust. She lived an awful life. Somebody presented her with the gospel and she rejected it. Is she in hell right now? I said, Eddie, I don't know where your mother is. I don't know if she made a profession of faith in her last moments, but if she didn't, then God will not force her into his presence against her will. God is too loving for that. And I asked the audience this question. In fact, I'll ask you as an audience this question. Ladies, is there anybody in here who's ever had a man pursue you and you did not want that man to pursue you? You did not want to date him. Anyone in here? Of course. In fact, some of you are going, yeah, he's sitting right next to me right now. He won't leave me alone. <laughs> I said, okay, ladies, suppose this man continues to pursue you and continues to pursue you. And you say, look, I only like you as a friend. Ladies, why don't you just take the knife, stick it in, and turn it? Because every man in here has heard this. I like you, but only as a friend. Well, suppose he continues to pursue you, continues to pursue you. And he gets to the point where he says, look, I love you so much, I'm going to force you to love me. Can he do that? No, he can't do that. Love, by definition, must be freely given. So if he truly did love you, what would he do? He would leave you alone. That's exactly what God does. He keeps sending us cards, letters, and flowers while we're here. And if we keep rejecting him, keep rejecting him, he gives us up to our own desires. And that ultimately what hell is ultimately what hell is. Hell is separation from God. So you're free in hell. You can continue to reject God in hell, but you're confined to hell. In fact, hell is a quarantine of evil. That's what it is. And heaven, of course, is being in the very presence of God. God loves you too much to force you into his presence against your will. So that was Frank Turek, and if you don't know, he's ac actually the author of I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. So it's, he's, he actually comes and does tours at college campuses, and that particular kid has actually been on there a couple times. Um, but you have a choice. You know, there's, there's no yes, you have that yes, no choice. Oh, yeah. He, he did not know what he was talking about. First, he made a profession that there was a God. <laughs> so now I'm going to give you what is a choice. A choice is a range of different things which a being can choose from. And... This took a little bit of research, but I found out that there are four different types of choices that we could actually have. And, you know, one of them is a command decision, which only, which can only be made by you, the commander-in-chief or owner of a company, me, myself. The second is a delegated decision, which may be made by anyone 
decisions as to, for example, the color of the bike shed can be delegated. The decision may be made, but is the choice is incon inconsequential. <laughs> Thank you. That right there. Avoided decisions where the outcome could be so severe that the choice should not be made as the consequences cannot be recovered if the wrong choice is made. This will most likely result in negative actions such as death. And lastly, the no-brainer decision where the choice is so obvious that only one choice can reasonably be made. Most choices fall in number one, right there, the command decision. But to us, you know, when we say we talk about Jesus, to us it's like a no-brainer decision. It's a no-brainer choice to us. In Matthew, Jesus fasted but when he was tempted by Satan, and he chose to follow God. Luke 9.23, and he said to them, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We need to deny ourselves the pleasures of the world to strive to follow Jesus. That is a free choice to deny ourselves. We can say, yeah, we want to do that. Or, yeah, we don't want to do that each day. But Jesus said we need to do it daily. Now I want to take a step back. And I want you guys to imagine life without a choice, where we have no choice. That's horrible. That's, that's utterly horrible because you're just a robot then. You're doing exactly what they want you to do, literally. And I thought the picture was perfect. <laughs> so in James 4, 7, it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And that key word right there is submit. Because submit means to yield oneself to another authority or the will of another, to surrender. And that is a free choice, to surrender. That, there we go. No man taketh from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down again, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. <laughs> so Jesus chose to lay down his life from us. And to think of what Jesus went through from the crucifixion, uh, a lot of people, you know, they, they know he went through the crucifixion, that he was scourged, that he was, um, that he, you know, was crucified, all of this. But a lot of it is even more horrible than even what the Bible uh, just, just, you know, describes. Um, a lot of people think of the scourging. The scourging wasn't him like this. He was stretched up like this so his body and everything was tight and you know so that way when they 
hit them with a filigram, it was very easy to take off a hunk of skin. And it was really easy. Every time I've seen what a filigram can do, if it doesn't do it the first time, the second time and more, it'll be taking out hunks. Um, another choice, think of King David. When David was in that cave, God gave Saul to him. So David, what did he do? He went ahead and just cut the hem of Saul's, Saul, Saul's garment. And at daybreak, he showed Saul. So he chose not to kill God's anointed, but he still showed Saul that he could have done it. He made that choice. The choices are there for us. We are, we are not influenced. They try to influence us, but we have that choice to say no. We have the choice to say yes. All right. And... I'm going to pass this off to Michelle, who's going to take over from there. But what do you choose? All right. So from that, we go to hot, warm, or cold, or lukewarm. And you ask yourself, which one am I? What does it mean? The difference between hot and cold or lukewarm is about a commitment and devotion to God. This affects the power and the authority in which we walk. You can tell Stan and Leslie that they're hot because they walk in that authority. It shows, I mean, it shows on them. It shows on Prophet Sun Yi and Pastor Lu. It shows on them. This affects how efficient and effective we can be as a believer in Christ in our everyday life. So if you're walking in this and you're hot, whenever you have a prayer, you have a moment that you need to go to God, you can still do it, and it shows on you. People see it when you, when you walk into wherever you're walking to a room, to a restaurant, or they're like, ooh, she got some power on her. And since I've gone to the School of the Prophets, I see it on people when, when they walk in. It's just your eyes are open and you see it. Is it possible to be a believer in Christ and yet not be fully devoted to God, having one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom? Yes. Oh, yeah. Not supposed to do it, but it happens. This is Barb's favorite picture, by the way. <laughs> Don't straddle the fence. It says your choice is either God or the world. You can't straddle the fence. And why is that? Because Satan owns the fence. You're, you're still choosing to be of the world when you're not supposed to be on that side. You're supposed to be on this side of the fence. It says, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't do it. I used to be a fence driver. I'm not anymore. I learned. I learned. And so if we're talking about lukewarm and straddling fences, we're talking about Laodicea. And uh, they, they straddled the fence. They were bad about it. And uh, <laughs> so this person has, a person has saving knowledge of God but is attached to the world. It means you can, you're not supposed to go out every Friday and Saturday night, party, have fun, and then come to church on Sunday morning and be like, oh, God bless you. No, 
you don't go out and party. You just come to church, and every time the doors are open, you need to be here. You need to be doing your works. You need to be teaching and growing. And then it says, the church of Laodicea, why did God rebuke them? Well, they valued wealth over him. We see it all the time. People valuing the money, those possessions, those things over God instead of him, the Bible, the word. That's what you're supposed to be doing. It says, but they did work for God, but God was not in the center of their work. That's where it get, That's where you have to, he has to be at the center of everything you do. Number one, no question. There's no if, ands, or buts. He has got to be number one at the center of your work. It says the church failed as they idolized money. Guess what? Money and fame and all that good stuff, it's false God. It's a lie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> so repeat what she just said. Repeat what she just said. Barb asked, does it have to be in, your, does it have to be in the center of your driving? Yes, he does, because we pray every time we get out on that freeway, and you ask God, please protect me as I drive from here to there. You do it every time. It says, the church exists to give God glory to God. The gospel is not just about saving the lost and the sinners from hell. It is also a call for us to repent. Everything we as Christians do involves and revolves around Christ. The sad thing is, is the Laodiceans took their eyes off of Christ and loved wealth and power. And that to him is blasphemous. And I've said it before, your eyes need to be on the prize. That's the prize. It says the church of Laodicea was lukewarm or room temperature as we would like to call it. Uh, water doesn't have many uses, and it's not best, best at war lukewarm. Nobody wants on a hot day to have a lukewarm glass of water. I'm sorry, it just does not go to hit the spot. <laughs> it says, and Jesus was letting the Laodiceans know, as servants, they weren't very useful. In other words, he was going to expel them or vomit them from his body. I don't like lukewarm stuff. It's not my favorite. No way. It says, how? God said, how could they be so blind this city produced the best I have, but they were spiritually blind. So they didn't see what they were doing wrong because they were worshiping the gold and all the goodies. They also had the best wool on the trade route, best wool. But they were still naked, but they were spiritually naked. They were spiritually poorly clothed. And so they turned away from Christ. He was not number one. They took their eyes off the prize. And uh, it says, God told them in Revelation, stand, <laughs> Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Boy, if he was knocking on my door, I'd be like, come right on in, Lord. I'll give you the best ever. You could have whatever, I, whatever you want. It's yours. Let's sit down. Let's talk. Let's, let's jam. That's way to put it. But yeah, I, I'm not going to like, why would you ignore that knock? Why? It says, if we're straddling, then we are lukewarm if we're straddling that fence. Revelation 3, 15, 16 through 15. I know thy works, and thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So because then thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee from my mouth or out of my mouth. And then James 1, says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving only yourselves. So if you hear it, you got to do it. You can't do one and not do the other. It won't work. And then being hot for God. And I love that picture. It's like being on fire for God. 
Being Christians is not for sissies. This is not for the weak-hearted. It's not, because <laughs> it's not easy being one. You get attacked daily. Um, and you must be bold, which is now my favorite word because of Leslie. And the things that you need to do in order to not straddle is get your nose in the Bible. Learn it. You have to learn it. I'm still learning it. Surround yourself with like-minded people. Like when you go to church and church functions, even outside of church, be friends. Have those friends that are good for you. Don't pick those friends that are going to drag you back into the world because they're harming you more than helping you. Uh, it says pray fast, go to church. Can't say it enough, go to church. Pray and fast. I'm not the greatest faster, I will admit that. I just can't do it. I can fast from TV shows, I can fast from maybe breakfast, but by lunch, I'm ready to eat. I just can't do it. I drink a lot of water, though. It says you have to feed not just your body, but you have to feed your soul. And I've said that before. We as Sunday school teachers, we, especially with the children's ministry, we feed their souls. But we still have to have our souls fed too so that we can pass that knowledge on. And it says, stay away from the things of the world. Don't go to the bars. Don't go to the crazy parties. Uh, don't be running around doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing. You need to stay out of those things because they're, they're not where you need to be. They're just not. Being cold or lukewarm. It says, coming to the church on Easter and Christmas might be a lukewarm Christian. It could be a very good sign of being a lukewarm Christian because uh, that's not really doing your works and, and having your nose in the Bible and making yourself with like-minded people. Uh, people who are lukewarm are content to be without one or without the other. But it says being content without Jesus, really? I could never do that. He's too ingrained in what I do now and who I am now. Now, before, like I said, I was a fence straddler. Not anymore. I just can't do it. It says, ignoring teachings and convictions. Stop trying to balance both worlds. It doesn't work. You know when we've stood up here during praise and worship and you feel that call to come down here and we all come down here and pray, that's when you're convicted. You don't stand back there and ignore it. Come up here and do what you're supposed to do. Talk to God. That's what he wants. He wants you here to speak to him. You may have to repent. You may have to pray for somebody. Don't stand back there. Do not be scared. Nobody's going to judge you. We're going to be like, yeah, go pray. We'll even stand there and pray for you in our own spot. We may come down and pray with you. <laughs> it says, you seeing the message yet? It says, being lukewarm is not the way to go. So who likes lukewarm soda or milk? Gross. I don't even like lukewarm cheese. It's gross. <laughs> so our Bible verses are 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, Prove your own selves. Know your know you not. I can't see that. Know you not your own selves. How that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Ooh. And then I read this one before about love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it's of the world. I mean, that pretty much. <laughs> Right there. That's it. I mean, seriously, you cannot be of one and be of the other. You have to be, either be cold for him and just don't come to church or be hot and be here. Grow, learn. You got to. You can't just be stagnant and straddle the fence. It just doesn't work. I can't I keep saying it. Uh, cold Christians, we have seen them sometime or another. 
They may have been one of those. We may have even been one at one time. It says these Christians do the work of the Lord, but there's no love in their heart. It says we can do all the right in the world, but if our works are without love, we're failing. It says as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth that there is, there is none that seeketh after God. So if you're cold, your works mean nothing because it's not glorifying God. It's glorifying the world. It don't work. It just don't work that way. Cold means we do the work of Christ, but there's no love or charity in it. There's none. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold. I would thou work cold or hot. So because thou art lukewarm and neither hot, cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. I just can't say it enough times. But Matthew twenty four twelve it says, And because the iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You know, you can't let things keep you from coming to church. That's the way you heal. If somebody's hurt you, if somebody in the church has hurt you, don't stop going. You have to be here. It's the only way that you can get better and learn by the love of Christ and your fellow, your fellow Christians. That's what we're here for. We are here to shore each other up in those times. That's what we do. This is verses about being a cold Christian. Second Timothy, this, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truce-breakers, false accusers, uh, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Are we not seeing a lot of that now? Pretty much every minute of the day. You know, some of us deal with children who are like that, you know, or we even have to deal with somebody in our family who's like that or somebody we know. But God wants us to be one way or the other and stop living in the world. God wants us to be for him. That's what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to be not of that of the the world. We're supposed to be with him, in with him, in the Bible, praying, fasting, all those things. You got to do them. And don't be afraid. You can't be afraid to do them. You got to take that step out and do it. This is now it's time for the hot Christians. It says there's nothing more powerful than a person on fire for God. No, there's not. <laughs> uh, it says being on fire for Christ is the way to go. Being faithful to, uh, to him worshiping him and finding the lost and bringing them home. It's as simple as that. I mean, it's not hard. Sometimes it might be a hard fight to get them to come home, to get them to, to accept Christ, but that's okay. If you, need, if you plant that seed, and they may come back later, you know, tell you something I, you said to me, kind of got me thinking, tell me more about this Christ. Tell me more about what goes on. They want to know, but you just have to plant those seeds first. And people who are on fire with Christ, you see it, you know it. They walk around every day and you just see the flames going off of them. And being a hot Christian, of course, it means being bold. That's my new favorite word. It means we aren't ashamed. We are bold in our God. We pray without fear. We worship without fear. Correct? We, I, listen, when we go out to eat, we pray. I don't care who's looking. I'll even stop and pray for somebody if they ask me to or if they need it. I'm not afraid. Why would I be afraid? God's got this. So what if they say something hateful to me? So what if somebody comes by and goes, you worship who? I worship God. What about you? Would you like to know more? Please, I've got something for you. Let me help you out. 
I carry books with me. I'm like, here, have this book. It will change your life. Read your Bible. It will change your life. So, yeah, you can't be afraid. So you have to ask yourself, which one are you? Are you hot, cold, or lukewarm? <laughs> I like that picture. And it says, remember, this is what happens to lukewarm Christians. That's what it's going to look like. <laughs> and that is it for me. I'll just leave that because I like it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Uh, Doug, come on back up here, too. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I loved your messages today. Thank you so much. You Absolutely. know, it just uh, the poise and confidence that you both have now is amazing. And just you being able to relate to all of us and bring this message. And, and thank you, Lord, that it just did go so well together. Um, I think you're both excellent teachers and like to see, continue to and see excellent more. excellent Christians. Huh? And excellent Christians. And excellent Christians. Well, he won't at your, you know, at the mouth. Right? <laughs> so that's good. Um, I, um, you know, when you talked about Laodiceans and, you know, one thing about the Laodiceans, which they talk about, this is the church age we're in now, but I believe it's actually a combination of all of them. That's my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. But Laodiceans is one of the ones that they really talk about, um, you know, different venues and stuff. And they really became useless. They just became useless um, Christians, useless Christians. And so with your messages today, you helped us to go back to Amen. realizing we do have a choice. We have a choice whether we're going to be lukewarm. We have a choice whether we're going to be hot. We have a choice whether we're going to be cold. We have a choice whether we're going to take our name out of the Lamb's Book of Life. We have those choices. So let's not be useless anymore, right? And uh, because, you know, all the while, the more evil abounds, um, the Lord is drawing us to be closer to him. He wants to have communication with us, to love on us. And just I loved how you said it, too, is like, you know, he's going to continue to give out those flowers and boxes of candy, and he's going to say, I love you, and keep pursuing and pursuing and pursuing, and finally he's going to say, and that's what happens. This is the scary part. He finally will say, on your own and I think that um, you know if anybody's watching this you know here's the day for you to make that choice you have a day to make a choice you can get a microphone you have a day to make a choice right now who you're going to serve and we'll finish that up here in just a moment but I think you had something you wanted did to did you want to piggyback on what she was going to say real quick probably for leading someone to the Lord do you have something else yeah probably he was, his will fit in better okay. I'll do it after he does you want to say something yeah, um, I had actually heard a guy, and he talked about um, uh, just kind of like a care or, you know, adoration and uh, to God. And he said, every day, God is doing something for you. He's literally doing, you know, just sending out that message, whether if you're with him or not. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that, what he's done for you today? Have you sought it out? Yeah, that's good. Cool. Leslie and I just spent the last week in Saudi Arabia. We saw some Muslims that are better Muslims than what we see Christians being Christians. When we got off the plane in Saudi Arabia, we didn't even get outside of the airport until we heard the Muslim call to prayer. And they played it over the loudspeakers. They played it every place. We walk out into the parking lot. They have 
speakers out there playing it in the parking lot. Now, not every Muslim got down on their face and prayed during that time, but many of them did. Now, what does that mean? That means that five times a day, Muslims lay down a rug, they face, face east toward Mecca, they get on their knees, and they touch their forehead to the carpet five times a day, and they pray. Now, it was raining this morning as I was coming to church, and I, I said out loud, I said, you watch, we'll have a low attendance at church because it's just a little bit inconvenient for people to have to drive in the rain to come to church. Yet Muslims pray five times a day on their face. We were out driving to, from one location to another. We would pull in for a potty break, which everybody was really interested in by the time we got to them. <laughs> I might add that the potty places were not Skip that part. One, one was. <laughs> clean. <laughs> clean. The last one was. But we got back in the car, and we're all ready to go. We look over to the side, and five Muslims have pulled out their little prayer rug. There's one in front with a prayer rug. There's three or four behind him, prayer rugs. They're facing east. They're not driving us because driving and doing their job is not as important as their God. That's right. they, you saw it. They stopped. They got on their knees. They touched their forehead to the ground. And it wasn't 60 seconds. I'm going to say it wasn't five minutes. Would you it say it's more like 10? Yeah, it's probably 10. 10? Probably 10 minutes. They stopped what they were doing, and they took time out for their God. Because to them, their God is more important than anything else. Mm -hmm. But to our American Christians, no. For she saith in her heart, I said, a queen am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death, mourning, and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. We have fallen away from our God. We've forgotten the law of our God, just like you said in the very first verse up here. Because you've forgotten knowledge, meaning knowledge of Him. I'll also forget your children. We look around at many of the children today in America, and they could be better. That's as nice as I can say it. They could be better. He's forgotten the law. We've forgotten His law, so He's forgotten our children. I only say this because all of what you're saying here is calling Christians to get back to the Bible, get back to worship, get back to prayer, and get back to what, look, what made America great was not our natural resources. It was not our school system. It was not our constitution. It was our God when our forefathers worshipped him. And as we've fallen apart, as we fall away, we fall away. In other words, as we fall away from Christ, we fall away from blessings. We fall into... Now, police officers show up to, to report a call. They've, they've been assigned. Someone's called. They need help. They show up. Two police officers killed in the last couple of days. Calling for help. So, yeah. I have, you know, um, I might add, too, that 
they not only stopped and worshipped their God, Allah, whenever they felt like they were needing to, um, they also had to have worship their other God, which is nicotine. That they had to stop and do that too. Um, but you know, Stan asked a question to one of the drivers um, there in Riyadh. It's about you know, like you know, are you, you know, what religion are you? Or something like, well, I'm Muslim. Um, and so Stan asked something like, you know, or like, is, is everybody in in Saudi Arabia? Well, that's our religion. And I thought, you know, it used to be in my generation that if you lived in America, you just were automatically considered a Christian. Right. Never, never mind that whether you had really accepted Jesus or not, but we were considered the Christian nation, right? Mm-hmm. Now we are being considered a nation of the, the you know, just... Babylon, confusion. Well, many yeah, gods. many, many, many gods, like mm-hmm. a stew, right, of different, different gods and how we're so happy that that's what it's become. And so I used to be irritated that everybody just called themselves Christian. I kind of wish we'd go back to that a little bit. But I, but I you know, because I think we had a better chance. But the point that I'm trying to make is that, you know, some of you are watching right now, you're watching this, maybe not even uh, today while we're filming this, but there'll be a time where you're going to watch it and you're going to say, you know, I do need to make a choice. Because that's what it was all about with, like, the atheist. It's still your choice. Now, Yes, there's hell or heaven. Still your choice. It's your choice. What are you going to choose? You know, hell and damnation? That doesn't sound too much fun. Or are you going to spend eternity with our Lord Jesus and accept him? And get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Mm -hmm. You know, you're miserable, especially if you're an atheist or you just don't want to believe in anything. If you're whatever... If you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then I know, I know that you're miserable because I've been there myself. Absolutely. So I don't want you to be miserable anymore. You know there's a tug on your heart. You know that the Holy Spirit's pulling you into his kingdom. You know that you need to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I've made a mess of everything. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect immediately. But today's your day. Today's your day of choice, just like these two wonderful uh, man and woman of God have brought this message to us today. It's your choice to choose whom you're going to serve this day. And where you're going to go. And where you're going to go. Where are you going to spend eternity? Maybe you're on your last days of living and you know it. Maybe you're on your last days of, uh, on, on this earth and you need to say, you know what? I'm just not real sure that that God that I thought I believed in is good enough. I'm just not real sure. Well, today, be assured. You can change. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. That's right. I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior today. I say, Jesus, you're my <laughs> God, and you is who I will trust. And you, I know that you are my God. You are the creator of the universe. I know that I'll spend eternity with you. And I'll praise and worship you all the days of my life. Cleanse me now from all this unrighteousness in me. Cleanse me now from every sin that I've done in the past. And wipe it away, Lord Jesus. And he will wipe it away. And a peace will come to your heart. A peace will come upon you. You'll know that Jesus is your God. A smile will come upon your heart and in your mind and on your face. And you'll be able to share it with others. And then go and tell someone, I accepted Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. Today's a day for things to change in your life. It's not always easy, 
but at least you've known you've made the right decision. We were driving after we'd been in the sand hills and saw our life pass before our eyes. We were driving <laughs> back and I turned to our driver. Now you have to understand, you, you, you walk on a very shaky ground talking about Jesus in these Muslim countries. So I said, may I ask you a question? Yes. I said, may I ask you about your Muslim religion? Yes. So we talked a little bit. Now let me get to the point. And I said, finally, I said, was, let me back. I said, did you choose to be a Muslim because you looked at all of these different gods and you chose to, to worship Allah? Or was this just something you inherited from your mom and dad? He said, I just inherited from mom and dad. I said, you've never really investigated other gods. And then I said, do you understand the difference between Christianity and all of the other gods? He thought that Christianity and Muslims were worshiping the same God. Worshiping the same Jesus. <clears throat> Correct. And I said, no, 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 no. Not the same God, not the same Jesus. Right. So let me explain. Here's the difference. Christianity is different from all of the other gods because it's exclusive. It says that Jesus is the only way to heaven. There are no other ways. There are no other pathways. There's the one I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by so I explained that to him. And then I explained to him how when I was nine years old I was baptized and a peace come over me. I said, Have you ever felt that kind of peace? No. Have you ever felt that kind of peace while praying to your God or reading the Quran or memorizing the Quran? No. I said, then let me suggest that you ask Jesus into your heart. Because when you ask Jesus into your heart that quick, a peace comes into your heart that you can't even understand. Mm -hmm. And a peace that you've never felt in your life. And from that moment on, you absolutely positively know, and no one can talk you out of it, that Jesus of the Bible, the Christ, is the real God. And they were talking in the back, but got him to say, Jesus be you. my God. We heard it. You know, yes, praise God. Hallelujah. You know, and this is part of the, the problem. Even Christians think that Allah and Jehovah God are the same. Many Christians even believe that Jesus in the Quran is the same Jesus in our Bible. It's not. That's a lie. So it's important not only to inform Christians, they're not the same. Uh, it, we don't worship Allah, we worship Jehovah God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so let that be clear, let me clarify that to you. Allah is not Jehovah God. Correct. Also, Jesus that's mentioned in the Quran is not the Jesus of our Bible. Correct. Not our God. So let me clarify that also. So you can't mix the two religions and you can't just say, oh, no, we come together as, as brothers. No, we don't. So uh, I just I thank the Lord that, you know, that we can, you know, go not only in this nation and here in the United States, but other, also other nations and bring people to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Again, we have to be careful. We have to use wisdom. We have to know when to speak, when to keep our mouth shut, all those kinds of things when we're in other countries like that. But if they approach... If they ask, because the Holy Spirit will draw them in, right? The Holy Spirit will draw them in. Well, God bless you. Did you no, well, no I, I just wanted to say, yes. uh, great job, guys. Great job. Let's give us some great appreciation. Job. Great, job. Great, job. Great, job. great job. You can tell you've been trained.
Where'd you get trained? <laughs> God bless you guys. We'll see you back in about 15 minutes. All right, let's stand. Let's praise the Lord this morning. Let's just give him some honor and glory and get our service going this morning. You know, it's raining here in Plano. And I don't know what it is about Texans, but it seems like when it rains, they stay home. Right? I don't know. It's, it's, it's okay to drive on the roads in Texas. Now, when it's snowing and icy, you can stay home. That's fine. But when it's wet rain, not icy rain on the roads, then come on to church. It's great. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for all that you do in our lives. Lord, I thank you in advance what you're going to be doing for us Lord, we don't know what tomorrow brings, but this we do know, that you are in control. This we do know, that we're going to praise you and worship you in all things. This we do know, that we don't have fear because we look to you. And the perfect love, which is you, casteth out all fear. Lord, I thank you that we can come here to receive, and we do receive your message today. Lord, give a word, give us a, an understanding also of the message. Give us praise and worship in our heart towards you. And Lord, we just set aside every heavy weight right now because we just want to get all our focus on you today. And Lord, if there's those that are watching online or those that are maybe here in the church and they're struggling in any area of their life, whether it's finances, whether it's emotional strain, whether it's a physical strain, sickness, disease, whatever may be causing them to be reflecting on that instead of you. We just lift them up to you right now in Jesus' name. We say be healed, be delivered, be set free. And Lord, give provision where those that need provision. Give vehicles where those that need vehicles. Give them way to get to church where there seemed to be no way. Have them come to fellowship with us. Lord, bring in those like-minded people to fellowship with this church. Lord, we know there's not a perfect church, and we don't pretend to be perfect. But this I do know, we will do our best to please you. This I do know, as a Spirit of Prophecy Church, we will do the very best that we can to, tr to teach that truth with the spirit of love. And, Lord, I thank you that uh, you'll, you'll guide and you'll direct, you'll chasten, you'll correct us as we need to be corrected. And, Lord, we will humble ourselves before you. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of those trespasses, Lord. Cleanse us from unrighteousness, especially as we see the day approaching. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. As they, you may be seated for a moment as they come to take up the offering. You know, I just wanted to give a testimony. Um, we just got back, Stan and, and I and Sharonda and Brandon, back from um, Dubai and Saudi Arabia. And thank you, Lord, for bringing us home safely and having a... Um, good flights home and meeting new friends and protecting us while we're there. And let me just say, the praise report I want to give is to give back to you and those that are watching online and 
those that are on fast track, etc., those that have prayed for us while we were gone. We felt your presence. We felt the prayers. Don't think that it doesn't go unnoticed because we noticed the prayers. We felt a peace everywhere that we went. We didn't feel threatened in any way. We knew that our God was protecting us in these foreign countries that are not so kind to Christians. Um, But the people were lovely. And I can say for myself, and I believe as we all four talked, we never felt threatened at all. Never felt threatened. And earlier during the Sunday school message, um, the one thing I did forget to bring up and how... um, Stan was saying that they would have a Muslim call to prayer even like when we were in the airports. And many of those people would bow down. You know, when we got on a flight from Dubai to Tabuk, Saudi Arabia, they put on a prayer, a Muslim prayer, on the screen. And I'm sure it was to their God for protection. So what I'm doing is, <laughs> I'm sure the others, we didn't talk about it. I'm like, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus will overtake this prayer, and it will be covered by your blood, Lord Jesus. And so I was rebuking their God and praising my God. And, um, but I still didn't feel threatened. I'm just saying thank you for your prayers. And, and, I, and I, I know that it's causing me to... Um, want to step up to another level just to worship my God. So I pray that when we are delivering what we are able to share next week, the 930 and 1030 service, that that'll do the same, the same for you. Because we have a freedom here. We have a freedom. And praise God that he gives us a freedom. But sometimes, you know, I've, I think that it's too bad it's not a little bit more strict, but that's not our God. Our God gives us a free will, so thank you, Lord, for that. But we choose you today, Lord Jesus. All right. Morning, morning. How's everybody today? Most of you are paying attention. You're already standing up. Let's praise the Lord this morning. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we praise your holy name. For you are great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. May it be a sweet, sweet fragrance unto you today. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. People from every nation and tongue, from generation to generation, we worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we worship you for who you are. We worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we worship you for who you are. You are good. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, we praise you. Hallelujah. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. 
Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. People from every nation and tongue, from generation to generation, we worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we worship you for who you are. We worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we worship you for who you are. You are good. Yes, you are, yes, you are, yes, you are. So good, so good. Yes, you are, yes, you are, yes, you are. You are good all the time, and all the time. You are good, you are good all the time, and all the time. You are good, you are good all the time, and all the time. You are good, you are good all the time, and all the time. You are good. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus, for you are great and greatly to be praised. May we move up another level, Lord. May we release that praise and worship unto you at your throne today. You are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. People from every nation and tongue, from generation to generation, we worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we worship you for who you are. Hallelujah, we worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we worship you for who you are. We worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we worship you for who you are. We worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we worship you for who you are. For who you are. For who you You are good all the time and all the time you are good well, let's get ready to lift up our hands today hallelujah we stand and lift up our hands 
for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now. How great, how awesome is He. And together we sing. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Glory, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. The earth is filled with His glory. We stand and lift up our hands, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now. How great, how awesome is He. And together we sing. Everyone sings. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth.
my knees again, surrendering
like a rushing wind, Jesus breathe within, Lord have your way, Lord have your way in me, like a mighty storm, stir within my soul, Lord have your way. Lord, have your way in me. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way in me. I surrender. I surrender. I want to know. Your very 
play that softly please that last song if there's any way to do that we just need to rededicate our hearts and our lives to the Lord Jesus right now it doesn't have to be at the end of the service it needs to be right now how many of you just crying out say Lord I'm desperate for you how many of you crying and say Lord I'm lost without you raise your hand If you need just to rededicate your life, you need to make your way here to the front. Make your way to the front. It doesn't matter how many times you've said it. Maybe it's just been a difficult week. And just like the song has said that we sang first, like, I surrender. I surrender, God. I surrender. Surrender it all to the Lord Jesus today. Surrender it all to Him today. He's your Lord. He's your Savior. He's your God. He's your King. He's your Master. He's the Creator of the universe. He knows who you are. He knows every hair on your head. Not just your head, your body. He knows what's in your heart. He knows the wickedness that's in our hearts. He also knows that the love that we have for Him that's in our heart. And just as he's saying, as just as we're saying, I'm desperate for you, the Lord Jesus says, I'm desperate for you, my children. I'm desperate for you, my children. Come and spend time with me, my children. Acknowledge me, my children. Just as we say, Lord, I'm lost without you. The Lord Jesus is never lost. That's not what I'm saying. But he says, I'm lost, children. I want to spend time with you. I long for you to come. I long for you to give me your heart, your soul, your very being. He is the air that you breathe. He is your breath. 
He is your life. He's your living word. He's the bread. He's the living bread. Hallelujah. Just in your own place here or you're kneeling or if you're kneeling in the back or online, say, Lord Jesus, I rededicate my life back to you. I ask forgiveness of my sins. Cleanse me from all the unrighteousness. Cleanse me from doubt and unbelief. Cleanse me from being upset at work, Lord. Cleanse me from being upset with my neighbor or fellow brothers and sisters of Christ. Cleanse me now, Lord. I rededicate my life to you. Just as earlier we said, today is your day to make a choice. All these people, Lord, here at the Spirit of Prophecy Church and those online that are to watch it even later, they're going to say, Lord Jesus, you're my God. I rededicate my life to you right now. I give my whole being to you. I give my mind to you. I give my heart to you. I give my words to you. I give my body to you. You're the living word. Lord, we do. We dedicate our lives back to you, Jesus. Bring unity back in the families, Lord. Bring unity even when there's been division. Bring in the lost children. Bring them back, Lord. We call it good. Say it is done. And we serve you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We honor you today. Thank you for letting us feel your presence here today. We don't deserve it, but thank you. Thank you. Time for Children's Church. Those are some good tears today, amen? Cleansing tears today, amen? I just want to say that uh, I want to confirm that what the prophet brought up uh, that's what I was about to do at the end of the service today. And so that was a real confirmation. That's exactly what needed to happen today. Exactly what needed to happen. Hallelujah. Dear Lord, I, I thank you for this leader. I thank you for this man of God. I thank you, Lord, that he hears from you and that he's diligent to bring the word that you have for him to bring to us. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I cancel every slumbering top spirit that would be in this place. I cancel every dumb deaf spirit that would try to keep us from hearing the word of God. I cancel those assignments in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we are going to have ears to hear. Everybody touch your ear. Touch your right ear. <coughs> Lord, and you can touch your left one too. It's just to have a microphone. 
Lord, we have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. You make a declaration right now. So I have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying today. I will hear and I will be obedient and I will do your will, Lord. And say, I will not forget your message you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. And Lord, thank you for anointing him from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. Bless him today, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Revelation 19, it is the, it's one of the great victories that is discussed in the Bible. One of the victories, of course, is, thank you, Jesus' death on the cross. That set us free. But the final victory is Revelation 19. John describes it. It says, I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. On his head were many crowns, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And he had a name written which no man knew but he himself. He was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, that's me and you, and the armies which are in heaven, following are clothed in clothed white raiment. And he had on his vesture, on his name, a name written, which only he himself knew. And he treadeth the winepress and the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And on his vesture and on his thighs a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He had the many crowns, and he had the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, because four months earlier he went to the marriage supper of the Lamb where he was crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords, where he changed from being the Lamb of God to become the Lion of the tribe of Judah, where he changed from becoming the Prince of the Kings of the Earth to become the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm trying to slow down, by the way. So many people are saying, you talk too fast. And I saw another, an angel standing in the sun. And he cried with a loud voice to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, saying, Come, gather yourselves under the, together under the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of horses, and them that ride on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and his armies. And the beast and the false prophet were taken and cast into the lake burning with a fire and brimstone alive. And the remnant were slain by the sword of him that sat on the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. In this one moment, in the at the seventh trump, at the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, Jesus gets victory. That morning star, because he is the bright morning star, he blows with the breath of his nostrils. He brandishes his sword like a lightsaber. It goes all the way to the center of the earth, sets the foundations of the mountains on fire. 
The hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The hills melt like water running down a steep place. Every mountain falls, every valley is filled in. The crooked places are made straight, the rough places are made smooth. And ten days the earth shakes, because now the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. And as that morning star hits the earth, it comes to a glow. The sun has been out 72 hours. It's not going to relight. As it hits the tares, as it hits the fallen ones, as it hits the evil Nephilim giants, as it hits them, they fall to the ground a pile of ashes and bone, destroying both body and soul. The only ones that survive that is Lucifer, where he's cast into the lake of fire for a thousand, excuse me, cast into the bottomless pit for a thousand years, where he's loosed again. I'll skip that part. As it hits us, out of our belly flows rivers of living water. And in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, we get all of our mantles, our crowns, our rewards, everything. As the great victory hits the earth. They have no need of the sun, nor have a light of the candle. For the Lord God gives them light, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Jesus literally is the light of the world. And from that moment on, we enter into eternity. Now, with that kind of a God, why are we worried about some of the things that are about to hit the earth? So that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to say, be encouraged today. The victory is ours. Jesus has the victory, and he's given us the victory. We have the victory. Say, we have the victory. We have the victory. His truth should be thy shield and buckler. If we want God's protection in the trouble ahead, we can't live like the world. We can't look like the world. We can't walk like the world. We can't talk like the world. We can't dress like the world. We are not like the world. He says, come you out and be you separate. That's a good place for an amen. amen. Right? That's our victory. Okay? So, what do you want me to talk to you about? And no, we're not going to be talking about Saudi Arabia and the trip much this morning. As I said, we're going to be talking about that next week. However, there's some important lessons here. Exodus 15. Leslie and I have stood at the place, and we have, have a picture of us standing next to a big round granite pillar that marked the entrance point of the Red Sea. And Thursday? Wednesday or Thursday? We stood at the exit point. They removed the big stone red granite pillar that marked the exit point. Now they put a concrete thing with a little metal stob sticking up. With the, It's a marker saying this is the exit point where the children of Israel came out. We've been there. We've been to the entrance point. We've been to the exit point. And I can tell you because I had my GPS unit with me and I measured it. It's 10.5 miles all the way across there. And we're going to talk about this later. But here's my point. After they got out, after they'd moved away from the water sufficiently so that when the water came and all washed all of the, the dead Egyptian soldiers upon the seashore, the Bible says they saw them dead on the shore, this is what was written in the Bible. 
Then sang Moses and the children of Israel. If Moses and the children of Israel could sing just after they came through the Red Sea in the time of tribulation, in the time of trouble ahead, can the church sing too? We know we have the victory. We know that one of these days, Jesus is going to split the sky wide open. He's going to return in a white horse. We know we have the victory. And we can't have that taken away. We can give it up. But we can't have it taken away from us. Moses, the children of Israel, sang a song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. Let me just tell you, there's a great triumph coming. Yes, there was a triumph when they came through the Red Sea. But in our lifetime, in our lifetime, we're going to see a great triumph. We may not live to that point, but live or die, we're going to get to be there. Right? White horse or on the ground. We don't want to be on the ground. We want to be on the white horse, right? We're going to be seeing the, the back of Jesus' head as he, like, as lightning shineth out of the east, out of the west, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. We're going to be on white horse, riding from the marriage supper of the Lamb, riding back with him as part of the armies of heaven. Amen. Thank you, sir. <laughs> the Lord deserves it. This is his great victory. And too long, the Spirit of Prophecy Church begin negative messages, and you're afraid to say amen anymore. You're afraid to get... A little excited about the Word of God. Amen. Amen. That's true. <laughs> for he had triumphed gloriously, for the horse and the rider has he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. Today, my brothers and sisters, he is still our strength and our song. He is our strength and our song, not our constitution, certainly not our government, nor our school system, nor our business, nor our dollar. He is our strength and song. He is my God, excuse me, and he has become my salvation. In other words, look, he kills, he makes alive. He wounds, he heals, and neither can any deliver out of his hand. He has the keys of hell and death. He decides who dies, when they die, where they spend eternity. He decides how they die. It's, the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment unto the Son. It is all in His hand. If we can trust Him for a daily provision, and we can. Amen. If we can trust Him for our eternal souls, and we can. Amen. i got a teacher group here. Amen. Then we can also trust Him at the moment of death. Amen. We can trust Him. Yes. He is our salvation. He is our God. I will prepare him a habitation. In other words, here, in our heart. Habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. For all the promises of God in him are yea and amen, and unto God and unto the glory of God by us. In other words, God keeps his promises. Say that. God keeps his promises. Again, God keeps his... Now, let's say it a different way. Jesus keeps his promises. Jesus keeps his promise. One more time. Jesus keeps it. We got to practice that. Jesus keeps his promise. Look, he keeps his promises. Be they for blessing or be they for cursing. Correct? Because a two-edged sword 
cuts for blessing and for correction. He keeps his promises. He does what he says he will do. Right? My covenant will I not break, nor alter that thing that has gone out of my lips. Means he does what he says he will do. He said he will be there. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Think about what the messages he's brought over the last six, eight weeks. Never leave us nor forsake us. The Lord Jehovah, that's what that word Lord in the Hebrew, I looked it up, is actually the word Jehovah, is a man of war. <laughs> war for us. The Lord is his name. Now you look up that word Lord and it is Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey. Or E, Ho, Va. E, Ho, this is H, O, Ho, E, Ho, Va, or Jehovah. So, Jehovah. Another way to say it is Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, or Yahweh. That's another way they say it. Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. So, as the trouble comes up, over the next process of years, I don't know when, but as the trouble hits, we're going to remember he casts the Pharaoh and all of his army into the sea. If he can do that, he can provide and protect for us today. The same God, come on, yesterday, today, and forever. I change not, neither do I alter that thing which come out of my lips. I do not lie. Like a man, I, I tell the truth, I am the truth, right? Yes. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. We should know those words. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, who's that talking about? Jesus was there. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. He's going to do it again, only bigger and better. And we're going to get to see, I really believe we'll get to see that in our lifetime. If we live that long, if we live our three score and ten, there's people in this room that will get to see Jesus split the sky. There are many of us, if we are ready, get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Too much negative preaching right here. Just too much negative preaching. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. You know what? The things that they're trying to build a new world order right now. They're trying to set it up so no man can buy or sell save he had the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. They're going to do it. But we're not taking the mark. We may starve, but we're not taking the mark. We are going to get the victory. And there may not be very many people around us understand that. But we are not going to take the mark. We're going to get the victory. Oh, Lord, has dashed in pieces the enemy. <laughs> you think he destroyed Pharaoh and his army before. Wait until the next time he does it. When we're on that white horse, in tow, watching the back head of Jesus destroy all the enemies. That's, how, that's our lot in life, right? 
and the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sendest forth thy wrath. What is that? Which consumed them as stubble. Now, you know, when I read this last night, I saw something in there that I'd never seen in the scriptures. You ever done that before? You read them again, you say, now somebody come in here and wrote my Bible and changed that because that was not here before. Somebody done been messing with my Bible. And no, it was there all along. It's just we didn't see it. I didn't see this. Okay, so wait a minute. I'm sitting here saying, Lord, thou sendest forth thy wrath. I know what the wrath is. The wrath is the morning star. What's it doing way back there 34, 33 to 3,500 years ago? I checked with an archaeologist on this. Is when they believe. 33, 3,500 years ago. What's your wrath? What do you mean? That's what you do on the day when Jesus returns. With the morning star, right? So what's it doing back at the Red Sea? It was there. It was there then. It's coming back again. Watch, I'll show you. Next verse says, With the blast of, I'll show you something you probably didn't see. At least I didn't. With the blast of his nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood up as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. Now what's that saying? He's saying, the Bible says he caused an east wind to hit that Red Sea that went down to about a thousand feet deep, down at about a six percent grade, ten mile, ten point five five miles to be exact, across there and then up. That burst of wind hit that water so hard it froze the water and made a wall would congealed the wall of ice. Then now think about this. There's some question about how many people. Uh, let, let's say it's just 100,000. Okay? I don't know how many people there was, children of Israel. But they come down through this. They had to move the rocks out of the way. Ron White said he saw that they, were, they were, had to move rocks out of the way. Some of them were this big, some of them were this big, some of them the size of a car. So that the people could walk and their wagons and goats and whatever the sheep they had. So they could walk. So he had to move all those rocks out of the way. How long would it take for roughly a thousand, maybe a million people to come and walk and move all the rocks, get all their children, all of the animals, to walk across 10.5 miles? Better part of a day, right? Wouldn't you say? I mean, getting pretty close to a day. So what happens, they get about three-fourths away across, maybe almost all the way, and then it says... You sent forth your wrath. Okay, that's fire. With consent. So, so then he released the pillar of fire, allowed Pharaoh and his army then to come down in on that dry ground. And they, now look, you think they're faster on horseback than those people walking. They were. But they weren't just on horseback. They were on chariots. So you put a chariot behind a horse so the horse did not have to carry the man. He's only having to drag a chariot, and they can move like lightning. I don't know how fast, but I'm going to guess 20, 25, maybe even 30 miles an hour, as fast a horse can run. It's not going to hold, hold, it's not going to hold the horse back much. So we got 600 chariots, the Bible says, running really fast. So the children of Israel had to be almost all the way across before he released them. Nevertheless, the Bible says that he had to remove the wheels. The angels removed the wheels off of the chariots so that they drove them heavily. 
to slow down the Pharaoh. That's our God. If our God can do that 33, 3,500 years ago, guess what? He can do it today. He can do it today. So as this new world order comes out, as this mark of the beast comes out, say they start trying to entrap us, and they are, and they will, we're not going to take the mark. Amen. We're not going to bow. We're not going to bend the knee. Instead, we're going to stand still and we're going to see the salvation of the Lord. Good times are coming for those people that do know their God. Right? Right? So, now they're about three-fourths, maybe seven-eighths of the way across. But then it says, look at this, look at this. And with the blast of their nostrils, the waters were gathered together. In other words... So now the Pharaoh and all of his 600 men, his fancy chariots, get down there. They're moving really fast. They think they got them. All of a sudden, the wheels come off. Then they realize, uh, you know, those walls, those are ice. Uh, Wheels coming off. Uh, Their God is fighting for them. Look, they already saw 10 major plagues, flies, frogs the death of their firstborn. They know this God's powerful, yet he's bringing them down into the Dead Sea to drown them. Why? Because about 40 years earlier, no, would have been about 70 years earlier, when Moses was supposed to be one of the children tossed into the Nile and drowned because they told all of the male children have to be tossed in the Nile River, Moses was instead put into the bulrushes and, you know, the whole story there. So 70 years earlier, they drowned the children of Israel, the little babies. So that same generation, he brought them down into the Red Sea, and guess what did to them? Drowned them. You drown my people, I'm going to drown your people. Why? Because he does what he says he's going to do. As you sow, so also shall you reap. You kill you get killed. Right? That's, that's his law. That's the way it is. I didn't see that before. So he sent forth his fire, which consumed them as stubble. So apparently, even before the waters came in, they drowned. Apparently, whew, he hit them with the morning star. And that melted the walls. All of a sudden, the frozen water now. And that's the reason he dumped the... The, the soldiers upon the, the land and also all of their weapons, all of the most modern military weapons in the world of those days were dumped upon the shore. And all the children of Israel handed over all of the chariots, all of the, the hand staves, the swords, the shields, everything. They got all of that military equipment handed to them. The flood stood upright as a heap, so they're up as frozen walls, all of a sudden, the fire of God hits the back part of it, melts the, 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 the frozen walls, and apparently, it, I never saw this before, it was, boom, he hit them too. They fall, fell to the ground in, in piles of ashes. You know what? When Ron White said he, him and his sons went down, <clears throat> they found the chariot wheels in chariots. Now, if the Bible's true, you'd find the chariot wheels off of the chariots, Right? Guess what? All of the chariot wheels were off of the chariots. How do you figure that? 
found horse bones, human bones, but the chariot wheels were off the chariots. Because our God tells the truth. It was disobeying. <laughs> but see, you know, I'm not supposed to strike the rock. I'm supposed to speak to it. So I was, I was waiting for it. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. This is the hearts of Pharaoh and all of his, his soldiers. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. Uh, not. Right now, the New World Order is trying to say that same thing about all the Christians. Look, the devil's not after the sinners. He's got them. I might add, the devil's not after the lukewarm tares. The devil's after us. But I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. For one that understands who he is in Christ, who she is in Christ, when we understand who we are and our power and authority that he has given us, all power and authority over some of the works of darkness. You mean we can tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy through the name and blood of Jesus Christ? Then we should use it. Thou didst blow with thy wind. The sea covered them. Okay, so there it is again. Blow the wind, the sea covered them. He melted those frozen walls. Boom, he hit him with the morning star. I never saw that before. Blow with the wind, the sea covered them, and they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like unto thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretched out thy right hand. Who is that? Who's the right hand? Jesus. The earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed that hast guided them in thy strength unto the holy habitation. He changed not. Neither does he alter that thing that has come out of his lips. If he protected the children of Israel, he will also protect those people. Thy truth shall be thy shield and buckler. If we want to walk with God, we have to be clean with God. Right? We have to be washed in his blood. But if we are walking with him, then we not fear not. Remember, that was one of the messages. Fear not. He's saying, okay, fine. I'm going to meet the devil, entry and step for step, pound for pound, everything he does, I'm going to meet him. When he comes out with his godless Ten Commandments, God is going to reveal the real Ten Commandments. When he sets on the Ark of the Covenant and says he is God, God is going to show them that he is really God. He's going to meet him. Inch for inch, step for step, pound for pound, everything he does. Then the dukes. Uh, Brandon and I were talking about that. This is the word. <clears throat> the dukes of Edom. A lot of people might say, well, how come them Arabs got so much money? And they do, by the way. Lots of money. Because they too, through Ishmael, Ishmael, Ishmael was also promised by God that him and his children would also likewise be blessed. And boy, they have been. It's because they are the Dukes of Edom. 
The dukes of Edom shall be amazed, the mighty men of Moab, trembling shall take hold upon them, all the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Melt away. Fear and dread shall be upon them by the greatness of thine arm. They shall be as, a sti- as still as a stone till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over which thou hast purchased. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance. You know what? There's another mountain. And he's going to plant us on that mountain. It's a great and high mountain. And it has 12 gates. The gates 12 angels and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. And there is a wall, great and high. And the foundations wall had 12 foundations. And in them, the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. There's a great new Jerusalem. Behold, I saw a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Who's that? It's a golden city. The gold is so crystal clear. It's clear as crystal, clear as glass. And by the way, there's no windows and doors in it because we don't need windows and doors because we're in a light body. We fly through them at the speed of thought. We never hunger again, thirst again, never light on us, neither any, any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed us and lead us in the living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from our eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So do you think a God with that much power is not going to take care of us in the time of trouble? His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. How many of you memorized Psalm 91? How many of you have? Two, three, four, five, six. May I recommend all of you memorize Psalm 91 like your life depended on it. You agree with that, Eric? Have there been times in your life when you had a call upon being the fact that you memorized Psalm 91? Are there times where it was encouraging to you? Is it times where you said, no, his truth should be thy shield and buckler. Thou shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the hour that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence. I wouldn't worry about COVID, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth in a thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand. Better shall not come nigh thee, only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. Come on. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They'll bear, she, bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. We ought to all have that in here. All of us. May I say, May I say, I'm, I'm doing this to try to encourage you to memorize it. First of all, if you think he can't memorize it, you're right. But if you think God can't put that in your heart, you're wrong. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. So let me encourage you to memorize it. If you haven't memorized it, and I've made several kind suggestions, but it's time to Move to the new level. Memorize Psalm 91. When you get Psalm 91 memorized, 
Go to Psalm 23. Memorize it. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horse and rider went into the chariots, went in with his chariots, and with the horsemen into the sea. And the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them, and the, and, but the children of Israel went on dry ground in the midst of the sea. You know what? In the trouble ahead, before this event happens, when Jesus returns again, before this happens, we're going to see some trouble. But we're going to see the hand of God. We're going to see miracles like no one has seen. Prophets of old have desired to see these days and didn't see them. And yet there's going to be some Christians biting their fingernails saying, Oh no, the world is falling apart. But we're going to say, Hot dog, I can finally go to work. Hot dog, all of the people who wouldn't listen about Jesus. You know, when's the last time you had somebody come up to you and say, Would you please tell me about Jesus? In America? Are you serious? Look, if they want to find Jesus, it's on radio, it's on TV, it's on books. They have to fight not to find Jesus in America. Yet, there's a lot of people that don't have Jesus. And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the people went out after her with timbrels and with dances. Miriam answered them, Sing unto the Lord! That's why we praise and worship. We sing unto the Lord. He inhabits the praises of his people. What does that mean? When we're praising and worshiping, he comes down into the service. He comes into our heart. When we come up here and we get on knees, and our, we, we pray and we worship and serve, he comes in. Sing to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider hath he thrown into the sea. And you know what he's about to do? He's about to throw the horse and the rider in the sea again. Only the horse and rider this time is going to be the WEF, the World Economic Forum. And all of the Moloch and Baal worshippers that think that they are so smart and they've got it all figured out and they got a way to set their man on the throne. Yep, he, God is going to let them set their man on the throne, the Antichrist. He's going to let them rule the world. The Bible says, Revelation 13 says, it was given him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power is given him over all the world, that all the world that dwell in, everyone that dwell in the world would worship the beast, except those people whose names are written in the book of life, slain from the foundation of the world. Yeah, he's going to be given power over the church, but not this part of the church. Not this part. Not this part. We are going to see the horse and rider thrown into the sea. Only this time it's not going to be water. It's going to be fire. Fire, right? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. The horse and rider is thrown into the sea. That means that I'm done. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice say, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. I look forward to that moment. I look forward to the time when we get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. When the Ancient of Days is brought... And the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus, is brought before him 
and he is crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. I want to go to that marriage supper of the Lamb. I want to see my God, King, crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. I want to see him change from lamb to lion, change from prince to become King of kings and Lord of lords. I want to see him given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is that which shall not be destroyed. Then he's going to come forth and he's going to serve us the marriage supper of the Lamb. We are given a wedding garment. That's the only thing we're given when we first arrive. A wedding garment. He comes forth, he serves us. For about four months, we're at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then we are given a white horse. Jesus is given a white horse. And then the seventh trumpet blows. And then we return, the armies in heaven, following Jesus back down, we see the back of his head as he destroys our enemies. And at that moment, when that morning star comes out, we get our mantles, our crowns, rewards, we come out of time into eternity. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them. And judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those that beheaded for the witness of Jesus and the word of God that had not worshipped the beast, Neither his image, neither his mark, is, is, is his mark. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. I want to be a part of that group. I want to be there to see that new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. And you know what? We all can be there. Amen. All we have to do is ask our sins to be forgiven. I remember I was watching Donald Trump in the first days of his first candidacy, when he was out on tour and he was speaking to, I've talked about it a couple of times, he was talking to a group of pastors. He walked off away from the microphone. Apparently one of the pastors asked him, have you ever asked God to forgive your sins? Because he answered back and said, I didn't know I was supposed to. I didn't know I was supposed to ask. And apparently that's where he received Jesus. If we haven't asked God to forgive our sins, we're in trouble. But God made a way where there seems to be no way for us to have our sins forgiven. Jesus said, I lay down my life. No one takes it. I lay it down freely. He climbed on that cross and he allowed those nails to be put in him. Because as his blood dropped on the Ark of the Covenant, he fulfilled the Levitical laws concerning blood sacrifice. No sins are forgiven except the shedding of blood. Jesus shed his blood to wash our sins away so that we can have eternal life. It is free. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't cost anything. All of the other religions are into this works thing. You got to do this. You got to pray five times a day. Got to touch your forehead on the carpet. You got to do, got to do, got to do, got to do. And then here comes Christianity's free gift. And then there's some people out there that think, well, I don't even know if there is a God. Bible says, the Bible says, tis a fool who saith in his heart there is no God. It's a free gift. It's free. You mean I can have my sins washed away? You mean I can live in eternity where there's no more sin, no more hunger, no more thirst, and it's free? 
all I got to do is ask this Jesus to forgive my sins? And the answer is, yes. It's as simple as that. Ask Jesus to forgive you your sins. Well, I haven't sinned. Okay, well, let's deal with that. Have you ever stolen anything, even a piece of candy? You ever taken anything that wasn't yours? That was a sin. Have you ever looked at the opposite sex, or these days even the same sex, with lust in your heart? That was a sin. Why did you do anything? That was still a sin. See, is there another kind of a sin out there? How many kinds of sin? Thousands of them. So how can anybody sit there and say, well, I've never sinned? We've all sinned. The Bible says for all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. The Bible says that before we were born, we were sinners. See, because when Adam ate of the fruit, it passed down through the genetic code to us. Before we were born, we were already sinners. The only thing that can remove that is the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's free. It doesn't cost anything. It doesn't hurt. It's not embarrassing. All you have to do is say, okay, okay, okay. I understand I'm a sinner. Got it. Okay, I understand. I also believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. I also believe that he is the only way to get my sins forgiven. I also believe he is really the son of God. And that he was really nailed to the cross. And that he really arose from the dead. Well, then say it. Say it. Just like I told part of the story. So we were, we'd been through the sand dunes. Maybe we'll tell that story next week. And I turned to him and got permission to talk to him because you don't talk to people about Christianity in those countries or they will arrest you. Finally, it came to the end after probably a, I don't know, a 20, 25-minute conversation. And I said, all you have to do is say, Jesus, be my God, and you'll feel that peace. And he said, Jesus, be my God. And I prayed for him several times since then. Lord, make sure his name is in the book of life. I went to my 50-year class reunion. I know. It doesn't look like I've been at a high school 50 years. <laughs> doesn't look like it <laughs> but I prayed and I said Lord if there's a way that I can be a minister minister to anyone here let me do that had the opportunity I think I led two of my schoolmates to the Lord there okay so they're standing here with a drink an alcoholic drink in their hand how do you leave okay you know you got uh, how many people two or three hundred two or three hundred people in the room Standing up, everybody drinking. Well, almost everybody, we weren't. How do you lead them to the Lord? So I simply said, all you got to do is just say, Jesus, be my God. They'll say that. They'll say that. Now, there's, you'd like to think, well, they should get on their knees. They should fast and pray. They should memorize some scriptures. They should read their Bible. But, it, yeah, that's right. 
but the very simplest is just Jesus be my God. You ever been on one of these uh, uh, tech support calls? And they're Philippines or who knows where. And at the end of the call, every time, what do they say? <laughs> yes. Yes, there is. Yes. Do you have Jesus in your heart? No, that's not what you say. Oh, well, what do I say? Sometimes I say, but generally that I've said that because they. Well, I don't know. Do you have Jesus? Then you go. I don't know. There's always there's always something that the Lord gives me. But the point is, if we are a true Christian, we are a walking, talking, soul-winning machine. Amen. All the time. Can't shut us up. It's like wind us up. You have Jesus in your heart. Do you have Jesus in your heart? Do you have Jesus in your heart? <laughs> right? <laughs> Leslie's over here laughing. It's because have you ever felt that peace? And the Muslims said no. Why did he never felt that peace? Because his God is not the right God. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart, and you'll feel that peace. Did you feel that peace? Yeah. He's driving down the road. So who are we to fear the trouble coming? We're going to look forward to it. You mean they're finally going to let me tell them about Jesus? You mean they're finally going to start asking me how to get to heaven? Let me at them. Depends on our attitude. I think this congregation's ready. We're ready to go to work. We've been preparing for this for a long time. Right? And we're not going to be afraid. Right? Now, might be somebody online. Maybe there's recording this down. Maybe there's recording this 10 years now. If Jesus hadn't come by then. Somebody's watching it. So here's what you do. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. It's as simple as that. It starts with that. Now, there's more, but say, Jesus, come into my heart. When you say that and you mean it, all of a sudden a peace comes over you, a warmth comes into your heart, and you know, you know that you know that you know everything changed. All of the sins, all of the filth, all the wrong things, all the wrong thoughts, all the wrong words, all the wrong, all the wrong, all the wrong, all the wrong, it's all gone in a moment. From that moment on, no one has to convince you Jesus is real. From that moment on, everything changes. So let's all say it. Jesus be my God. Jesus be my God. One more time. Jesus be my God. One more time. Jesus be my God. Now, if you're online, 
Also, if you're online, if you'd like to be a part of our mentorship, which I did not put on here, if you go to prophecyclub.com, slide down to the bottom, there's a place where you can join Spirit of Prophecy Church, Prophecy Club. Also, if you'd like to support us, as in like make a donation, which of course I'd highly recommend because God will bless you for that. Then I think if you slide to the bottom, there's one line, there's a blue line, you click on that and that'll take you over where you can give a gift. Since we already prayed, I'm gonna end it here. Lord, thank you for coming into our heart. Thank you for the peace you've given us. Thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you, thank you, thank you, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name.